Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. Jesus, he says, Revelation 22, says, look, I am coming soon bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes. They will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat the fruit of the tree of life. Outside the city are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idol worshipers, and those who live and those who love to lie, live a lie. That's interesting. <laughs> and all who love to live a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of David and the heir of his throne. I am the bright morning star. In response to that, this is what John the Revelator says. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Let anyone who hears this say, Come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. again as a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. He's not coming again as a Savior. He is the Savior. He's not coming again to save the world. He's coming again to judge the world. He's coming as a conquering king. And right now we're in a moment where there's grace. Where he says, come. All who are thirsty, come. All who need him, come. But one day he'll step foot on this earth and set up an everlasting kingdom that will never perish. And at that point, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And how we live our lives now, whether we make him Lord of our life now, whether we decide to honor him now, will determine our eternity. We will, we have a choice today. Whether we choose to bow to him now and reign with him forever, or we choose to bow to him then and go to hell forever. Because you will make Jesus Lord of your life before eternity. Outside the city are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idol worshipers, and all who love to live a lie. Does what you proclaim reflect what you live? Jesus is Lord or he's not Lord. Come. 
Come, Lord Jesus, come. If you're here today and you're hearing this, it's so simple. Make Jesus Lord. Maybe you've been running. Make Jesus Lord. He's here for you. He loves you. It's not too late. You haven't ran far enough. You can't run far enough that his cross doesn't cover your sin. If you're hearing this, it's not too late. Make Jesus Lord. He's already your Savior. Make him Lord. Father, I pray right now in the powerful name of Jesus that you work in your church. Lord, that we don't live a lie, that we are who we say we are, and we do what you tell us to do. That we honor you with our lips and we honor you with our lives. And Father, I pray right now, as John says, come Lord Jesus, come. The Spirit and the Bride, we say come. And Lord, I pray for anyone who is far from Christ in here today. I pray that they decide to come after you. Lord, I pray that they lay down all their baggage, all the lies of the enemy that's saying, oh, you don't need that. Lord, they do. We all need you. And Lord, I pray right now that you will do a work in your church and in those who are far from you. Lord, let there be such an attitude of repentance. Let there be such an attitude of repentance over your church. We say we want to move with the Spirit. We say we want revival to sweep our land, but that won't happen until we have a heart of repentance. Lord Jesus, I pray, let your church walk in repentance. Let those who need to know you repent for your coming again. And Lord, I just pray today that that you'll do your work in us through your word as, as we move from a moment of of worship through song to worship through your word that we walk out of here transformed because we encountered the living God. You didn't give us goosebumps to make us feel better. You, gave, you, you, you moved in our lives to change us. So Lord, let us take what you're going to say out of here and let it affect every area of our life. In the powerful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. It's amazing. The Word of God is amazing. It has everything in it. And <laughs> it has this keen knack to step on toes and to call to repentance. If, if, um, if you only listen to preachers that preach grace, you'll never change. And then you're going to have a hard time before the Lord one day. <laughs> and if you only listen to preachers and if you're always condemned, you're never going to trust Christ that his work is enough. It's grace and truth. And I pray today that's what happens. All grace doesn't lead to repentance and there's no change. All truth leads to condemnation and legalism 
and then it come, becomes rules, and then suddenly you're not trusting God for your salvation. So either way, it's, it's a mess. But when we walk in grace and truth, that means, well, Hebrews says it this way, we speak truth in love. Sometimes we just have to say hard truths in love. Because we love, we, we, the only reason we speak the truth is because we love the individual. And, and the thing is, like, the thing is with truth is it just, it's offensive, man. It really is. And it doesn't care. That's why we have to be loving when we deliver it. But with that said today, we are continuing in a series called Church in Crisis. And we are looking in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We wrapped up chapter 1. We are in week 4 of this series. And today's message is titled, The Necessities. And so we are going to um, look at verses 1 through 16 today. And he's, Paul is actually continuing what he started last week. But before we jump in, to any of that, there's some really important business I need to share with you. I got to tell you a joke. <laughs> uh, like, I didn't tell you one last week. So like, um, like yeah, I, I went home and repented and I, I went through the rosary and all that stuff. Um, I w- went and saw the priest. What do I do? Uh, I'm just joking. I did not do that. But this, this guy, he... He went into his local synagogue and talked to his rabbi. He said, Rabbi, you won't believe what happened to me. My son left home and he became a Christian. And the rabbi goes, oh, oh, you won't believe what happened to me. My son also left home and he became a Christian. And the guy said to him, what do we do? He said, let's pray to God. And so they prayed together. They said, God, you won't believe what happened to us. Our sons left home and they became Christians. And God went, oh, you won't believe what happened to me. My son. <laughs> oh, come on. That's... Some of you guys will get that tomorrow. I, I, I heard it like four times, and every time I was just giggling. I love theological puns and jokes. I just love them. I think they're so, they're so stupid. So this, I'm, I'm, I, this, this, this joke, I have to edit a little bit, but that's all right. So this, this Mormon, this, this Baptist, and this Catholic went golfing together, and um, they're all bragging about the size of their families, and... Um, so the, 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 the Catholic said, man, I have four sons. And if I have another son, I'm going to have a full basketball team. And, you know, the, the Baptist guy and the, the Catholic guy were kind of, or the, the Mormon were kind of chuckling. And, and the, uh, the, the Baptist goes, you know, that's, that's cute. I have ten sons. If I have another son, I'm going to have a full football team. And the Mormon's like, well, that's impressive, but... I have 17 wives. 
So if I have another son, I'm going to have a whole school district. So... <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. It's so silly. I don't think they do that anymore. No, I don't know. I've never been a Mormon. So... I have watched Sister Wives, though. That, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 through 16. Paul is continuing this thought about God's wisdom. Last week, we talked about what is God's wisdom, and he was trying to break down theologicalness of God's wisdom. And, and so when we think we're wise in the world standards, you're really not that wise in kingdom standards. And, and, and so because Paul says last week, he said that the wisdom of this, like God's foolishness is wiser than man's wisdom and God's weakness is stronger than man's strength. Like God makes, God's wisdom makes this world's wisdom look like foolishness. And God's strength makes this world's strength look like weakness. And, and it's completely backwards and it's illogical. Like the way the kingdom works is backwards and upside down. And even the, how God works is backwards and upside down. His wisdom works backwards and upside down. Even the message of the cross is backwards and upside down. We kind of got into that. Like Jesus took the international symbol of death at the time, the cross, and he turned it into the international symbol of life and hope. It's backwards and upside down. Only God can take something like that and turn it because that's what God does. He works backwards and his wisdom is not logical to this world. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us, it's life. When the Holy Spirit makes it click, you're like, whoa. And, but but. In chapter 2, obviously, when Paul wrote this, there was no chapters and verses. But if we, he, he, he says the wisdom gets deeper. There's more. So if, if you're to the point where like, well, I, I pretty much know everything I, I can from church and stuff like that. Well, you're wrong and you're fooled and, and, and you're being a fool. Because... There's more to God. There's more to his wisdom. It gets deeper and broader and broader and deeper. And, and so he kind of picks up with that. So he starts talking about the practicalities of how God's wisdom applies to us in chapter 2. And, then he, and, and as I was praying about this, I was like, Lord, how do I explain this? I need wisdom. <laughs> Literally, I prayed that a lot. James tells us, if you need wisdom, ask. And um, I need a lot of wisdom. Thankfully, God gives it freely. But as I was looking at this, there's, there's, there's three sections in this about wisdom that I want to hit on today. The first section that, that jumped out at me is verses 1 through 5, and then 6 through 9, and then 10 through 16. They're kind of like separate. They build off of each other, but they have different... Um, implications to our lives. They, they also list different necessities for our walk with God. So one through five, it says this, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness and timid trembling. And my message and my preaching were very plain. 
Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. It's, it, it's a beautiful discussion and, and, and point that Paul's trying to make is when he came to the Corinthian church, he didn't want to try to trick them into following Jesus. Guess what? We are the church of the living God. We are not used car salesmen. Either people are going to believe the gospel or they're not. And if they don't want the gospel, I'm not going to force it down their throat. I will plant seeds. I will water seeds. But I'm not going to be like, well, let me tell you about these features. Oh, <laughs> if you put your faith in Jesus, you know, that's not the gospel. And we've kind of turned it into that. And that's what Paul's getting at. He's like, dude, I, I'm, I gave you as plain as day, as simple as possible, the message of Jesus. And when they chose to believe it, they couldn't say, well, Paul was really persuasive. He really had a good argument. He, he presented all the facts. No, they're like, it was the Holy Spirit that they, they, they couldn't say that. So they, it was only the Holy Spirit that pulled them to the message of the gospel. And sometimes, like, I think that we have to convince people to believe in, in Jesus. And that's not the point. My job isn't to do that. My job is to present the gospel. Your job is to present the gospel, to preach the gospel, plant the seeds of the gospel, water the seeds of the gospel, and let God get the harvest. So 6 through 9 says this, yet when I was among, yet when I am among mature believers, so he like shifts. There's a, there's a shift here. I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world. And he's not talking, to, he might be talking about like Caesar and kings and queens, but He's really, when he's, when, whenever the Bible kind of refers to rulers, it, it's kind of twofold. It refers to physical rulers like our president and stuff like that, but it also re, is referring to the rulers and principalities of spiritual realities. So the world, kings, king, uh, kings queens, Caesars, princes, presidents, they operate in the wisdom of the principalities of this world. It's demonic, actually. God, worldly wisdom is not godly. And if it's not godly, it's actually by default demonic. So when you operate in God's wisdom, it's counterculture. So it's not going to make sense to a culture that's ran by demons. Let's be real. Any man-made thing is demonic. Well, like, you can't just say that. There are some good things that man invented. It, well, okay, but Jesus said, if you're not for me, then you're against me. If it's not in the kingdom then what's the default? So, he says, who are soon forgotten, know the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world had not understood it. That's why, like, well, hold on. If, he, if they had, they would not have crucified your glorious Lord. That, that's why he is talking about like 
the rulers, but he's also talking about spiritual realities. They tried to crucify Jesus. They didn't understand that the whole point of why Jesus was coming was to die as a sinner. He even prophesied it. He wrote it down, and they had access. All these demons knew the Bible, but the reality is they were influencing the leaders of the world to have him crucified, and he said if they would have understood God's plan, they wouldn't have crucified the Messiah. But here's a cool thing about that statement is God told the enemy his plan by having prophets write it over 400 years before Christ even came. He had people write it. And get this, these, these rulers, these principalities of spiritual realm knew the prophecies and they still couldn't stop God's plan. In fact, God used the rulers and principalities of this world to execute his plan. So if the enemy's coming against you, and you're trusting the Lord that he has a plan and a call on your life, let me tell you, it doesn't matter what the enemy knows about you. doesn't matter what the enemy throws at you. God's plan will prevail when you trust him. It's just the reality of trusting the Lord. That is what the scripture means when they say, No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor has it entered into... Well, I'm reading, I'm, I'm quoting... The NIV, and I'm reading the NLT, so I got mixed up. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. Like, God has plans for you that the enemy can't stop. Trust him. Trust him. And guess what? He might even use the enemy, to implement his plan. God used Judas, who betrayed Jesus, to implement the plan of God. And get this, it said Judas, the Bible says that Judas was possessed by the devil. So here the devil is trying to destroy Jesus, and God's saying, you're just playing into my hand. Because God's sovereign over all. He reigns above it all. He reigns above it all. We just sang it. And then 10 through 16. There's another shift here. Your Bible doesn't really break these shifts down, but I, I pray that today we do. Um, but it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except the person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirits. And we have received God's spirit, not this world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak Words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain, explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. 
It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we can understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. I believe Paul reveals three necessities for us to walk in the wisdom of God. And he breaks, he, they're broken down in, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you again, verses 1 through 5 is the first necessity, verses 6 through 9 is the second, and verses 10 through 16 is the third. And the first necessity I want to talk to you about is the necessity of fundamentals. There's a necessity of fundamentals in the church, and I think some of us forget this necessity. We need this necessity so we can grow and we can teach. God doesn't just want you to sit and learn and sit on your butt in a pew and just be fed all the time. Most Christians are educated beyond their usefulness. Because we don't do anything with what we've learned. Wisdom is applied knowledge. But we have a bunch of knowledge about what we should do. Wisdom is is applying that knowledge. Like, I, I have knowledge that if I stick a fork in an outlet, I will get shocked. That's knowledge. That's good knowledge to have. But wisdom is saying, I'm not going to stick a fork in that outlet. That's applied knowledge. We have this knowledge of Christ, and we have the knowledge of salvation. We have the message of of the cross and we have the mandate and the command it's not even an option it's go into all the world and preach the gospel go and make disciples that is the command we have the knowledge of the command but yet sometimes we're not wise enough to do it wisdom is obedience to god the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the lord some of us have lost our fear of the lord we don't believe he'll keep his word or something he judges the living and the dead. What, 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 what did Revelation say real quick? Uh, hold on, I'm going to get to it real quick. I wasn't going to bring this in, but um, da, 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 da. he says, bringing, I, look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all um, people according to their deeds. What are we doing with the gospel? So we need fundamentals in our faith to grow and to teach. And, and get this, I need a good grasp of the basics to teach them. Einstein said, and I'm going to butcher this, just FYI, it's a paraphrase. If you can't teach it to a six-year-old, then you don't know it. If you can't explain it to a six-year-old, then you don't have an understanding of it. I know that's hard. <laughs> it really is hard. But the cool thing is about fundamentals is when we, when we think about how simple fundamentals are and we break it down to where they're applicable to our lives, 
That means all the hard work is done. That's how you make disciples. You make it so easy for them to apply it. You don't make it hard. Right now, I'm teaching my son to play basketball because he told me in, in Jan- he told me he wants to play basketball this coming um, semester uh, next year. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to start working with him on fundamentals. And I started thinking about what are the fundamentals I need to teach him. Because I don't know if you guys know this, but I play basketball. <laughs> that's, that's literally, every time I talk about basketball, I say the same thing. I don't know if you guys know this. It's like, so I don't know if you guys caught on to that. It's, it's just, to me, it's a joke now. But I play basketball for so long, the fundamentals that I've learned and I apply, and, and I, I'm just so used to, even though I'm, like, I'm over a decade out of ba- playing basketball competitively, there are things that I've done over 30,000 times in my life, dribbling a basketball, probably hundreds of thousands, if not millions of times, um, running and dribbling. I could still do that without, like, with my eyes closed. I could still fr- shoot a free throw with my eyes closed. I've shot tens of thousands of free throws, jump shots. I've done it so many times. My, the muscle memory is, is, is there. The fundamentals that, like, from the moment I started playing basketball in fifth grade all the way through my last practice, we did fundamental drills, reinforcing the thing. So I started thinking, like, well, my son is five. What are the fundamentals that I could teach to him that will actually apply to his whole basketball career if he sticks it out? So, quite frankly, dribbling. Dribbling. It's like the number one fundamental in basketball. If you can't dribble, you can't play. You need to be able to move and dribble a ball. And you actually had to do it with both hands. So when I first started working with him, he, I, I say, okay, bud, get your hands up. And also catching. I've been working on him with catching. I'm not going to worry about shooting right now because he can't even shoot all that well. I'm going to get the basics down. So fundamental passing, catching. So I'm like, okay, get your hands up like this. And I'll walk over there and put his hands up. And then I'll bounce him the ball. And he's catching it. That's good. But then I'll say, okay, but, and he'll start bouncing it with both hands. I'm like, dude, you can't do that. You got to use one hand or the other. And he's like, no, 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 dad, I know. I know. I'm like, you know? Like, I don't think you know. Because if you knew, you wouldn't be doing that. He's like, no, but like, so I just let him bounce it. Like, like this went on for like a couple months. Every time I get out there with him, he would be like, no, no, dad, I know, I know, I know, I know. And he wouldn't let me teach him. And like, here's the thing, that's what we do in church. That's what we do with our walk with God. That's what we do in the Bible. Like the Lord will start laying something on your heart or maybe a pastor or the, um, or the word of God starts working on you and you're like, oh God, I know, I know, I know. And then, and then you know what that does? It's not a teachable spirit. And it actually keeps you from learning. It keeps you from learning instead of, you know, the Bible says God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. And when we come at things as, I know, the other day I was helping Scott with her homework. And I said, she's like, Daddy, I need your help. I'm like, okay. And she's working on subtraction. And I said, okay, what is it? And, you know, whatever the problem was, she goes, Dad, I know. Then why did you need my help? Like, like I don't want to help you. But we do the same thing to God. People reach out to try to help you. In our walk with God, like when I, when I, sometimes when I, when I preach messages that might step on toes, I promise you they step on my toes first, but it's always to help. I want to reinforce fundamentals so much that we just do it by default, that you don't even think about dribbling the ball. 
Like if someone passed me a basketball, I automatically don't walk with it. Like I will just sit there and hold and pivot. It's weird. You're like, what are you doing, Ryan? I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, I just can't walk with it. <laughs> I have to, like, I just dribble. While I'm, if I have a ball in my hand, I hard, like, if I'm inside, I might carry it. But like, it just goes against the grain of, because fundamentals. And so finally I said, bud, listen, I want to help you. I want to help you play basketball. I said, can you let me help you? And can you admit that you don't know that much about basketball. He's like, I know, Dad. Like, You're right. And so then suddenly we, like, we just started working on things. I'm like, okay, let's bounce it with our right hand. Now switch to your left. And he, he could do crossovers now. He can, he can run and dribble, which is pretty good. I mean, he kicks it half the time. But you know what? He's five. So like, he's making progress because he humbled himself. But it's a fundamental learning to dribble and run will last him the whole of his career in basketball. So what's the fundamentals that Paul was talking about to the, to the church in Corinth? The gospel. The gospel. The simplicity of the gospel. Not, not adding all these ways. It's so interesting what the church is so guilty about. People will give their hearts to Jesus and then we'll say, well, you need to read the Bible every day. You need to do this every day. You need to do this every day. And we put all these extra things on them right out the gate instead of just saying, Christ is sufficient for your salvation. Are those fundamentals to add on? Yeah. One day I'm going to teach my son how to shoot a layup. That's something he needs to know. But it will come in time. Paul told the Corinthian church, he said, I came to you, I forgot everything except Jesus Christ. Here's a question that you can ask yourself. I don't want to show a hands or anything. But ask yourself, if a six-year-old walked up to me and said, I want to know Jesus and give my life to them. Can you explain it well enough to a six-year-old? And be biblically accurate. It's both. Because if you can't, we need to work on some fundamentals. Some of the fundamentals that adult Christians need to work on is actually being in the Word of God. Is praying daily. I'm not trying to give you a list of do's and don'ts, but what happens when we're not in the Word of God and someone comes to us with a need, we end up giving worldly advice. Man, my marriage is falling apart. I, I don't know what to do. Well, just divorce him. What? No! No! That's worldly advice. What does the Bible say? Well, God is a restorer of all things. God can work. And if you're willing, he can bring healing. 
But the world's like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Even in the church, it's been normalized. But God loves. Like, God loves marriage so much, is that's the example that he used between himself and the church. We're the bride of Christ. But that, that's what happens when we don't have the fundamentals and we don't know the word of God. We lean on the world's wisdom and the world's wisdom is demonic. This also happens today. See, here's the thing. The Corinthian church was really spiritual. They were a very spiritual people. Like they, 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 they were pagans, but they worshiped. There was a giant temple in Corinth, and they were, I believe, it's the temple of Aphrodite, and they worshiped her there. They were a very spiritual people, and, and they did, and, and Paul was saying, like, you only need Jesus. You don't need the other stuff that makes you spiritual. You don't need to go light incense. You don't need to do all these immoral acts. That was spiritual then. That's world spirituality, but it's not God spirituality. What does that look like today? Because we have a very spiritual culture. And you, you will put your faith in something. Even if you're atheist, you're putting your faith in something. And, and so today, we will follow the wrong spirits and we'll say we're spiritual. And we're called to follow the spirit of Christ. This is a fundamental is, is, is following Jesus. Forget everything else and follow Jesus and his spirit. We go after the wrong spirits to bring peace. Man, you know, I, I talk to people all the time that they'll be, they're, they're Christians, but man, then they have like crystals hanging around their neck, but they say they follow Jesus or they'll, they'll be like, yeah, I just, I went and lit some sage and cleansed my house. I, I had a conversation like that. I was like, what? Why? Well, I just wanted peace over my house. Here's the thing. I, 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 th this is a real thing that's happening in our culture. Or they'll have crystals all over their house to absorb bad whatever. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for lighting scented candles. Like, I'm a guy. We have odors that I don't understand. Uh, and I have two kids. But if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, you're, you're, it's not going to lead to what you think. And, and the Corinthian church was doing things that were spiritual but to, to get a benefit, but it wasn't the right thing. And he's saying, no, get to the fundamentals. Know Jesus, know his spirit, know the gospel. The fundamentals. Because if you're lighting, a, wearing a crystal for peace, to bring you peace, you're lighting incense to bring you peace, you have crystals all over your house to bring you peace and to protect your house, guess what? It might promise peace for a, a moment, and it's not even real peace. It's the world's peace, and then you're just going to have to get more. I've never seen someone say, I just only have one. It, like, they started with one, and then, you know, like, you know what? I have to do it again. And here they, they're, they're doing this every other day. They have like four or five crystals. They have one on their keychain. They have one around their neck, four around their neck. They have five in their house because they want peace, and it's not giving them any. Because the enemy can't give you peace. There's only one author of peace. His name is Jesus Christ. And, 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 but they think they're being spiritual about it. 
And all you need is Jesus. When you're born again, you just need the blood of Jesus. You don't need any of that. It's fundamentals, man. This is chasing the wrong source. And we're so guilty of that in our culture that always, it seems like they offer options of sources, but there's only one source of true life. His name's Jesus, and it's the gospel. And what's crazy is this will lead, it promises peace, but it leads to oppression. It leads to, in some cases, you know, Jesus might lead to demonic possession. It's crazy. So what do we do? We do what Paul said. We go back to the fundamentals, the gospel. The power of the gospel and the Holy Spirit is enough. There is, my, my sister used to be in all, all this stuff. She did tarot cards. She did, she did it all. She gave her heart to Jesus and the Lord set her free. Set her free from all that mindset, all that heaviness. It's just gone. And there's so many testimonies. I have so many friends that I went through college with. The Lord set them free and then he called them into ministry. Some of them were drug addicts. They didn't start off as drug addicts. They started off with like crystals and different things. Like, and God set them free when they met Jesus. They heard the power of the gospel. It's enough. It wasn't a clever speech that they heard. It was the power of the gospel that Jesus Christ came and died for my sin in my place that I might have eternity with heaven. And then three days later, he rose again to set me free from the power of sin and death that I can have a relationship with the Father because he loves me. It's the gospel. If you want to cleanse your house, pray over it. Get super spiritual in the Christian sense. Anoint it with oil. Any oil. Castrol. I mean, like, olive. Cooking spray. I don't care, man. God doesn't care. Mobile one. Just anoint it. Plead the blood of Jesus. It's the fundamentals. Faith in Jesus. Love Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Hope in Jesus. Obey Jesus. It's the fundamentals. We need to have this. Last Friday, we had a crew go downtown. We were talking with people. And it was exercising fundamentals. Just talking with people. Sharing our faith. And you know what? It might not, it, you know, like, so not every person I talk to, I shared my faith with. I, I, I tried to open a conversation with, do you want a free water? We were down there giving away waters because it was warm. And we were telling people God loved them. And lo and behold, giving away water allowed, allowed me personally, I can't speak for Wes or anyone else that was down there, it allowed me to pray with about, like there was a family of like six people I got to pray with, and then there was another lady that I got to pray with, and it was really cool because this lady, she started talking to me about some stuff, and she said, well, I don't go to, my husband goes to church, I don't go to church anymore, I get all that stuff at home, and the Holy Spirit says, linger. Like, that's all I heard. I'm like, okay, let's just see where this is going. I want to know. And she's like, yeah, I just, like, this is what she told me. She said, I need a a, a church that's going to give me some meat. 
I'm, I'm, I've already heard it all. I've already heard, I was like, okay. And this is what the Lord told me to ask her. Ask her if she reads her Bible every day. I was like, oh, this just got awkward. That's <laughs> how I know it's the Holy Spirit. I said, ma'am, because she was like, I go to pass. Uh, they, they always preach about the same stuff and all this stuff. And what made me think is like, man, you know what's so interesting? We, 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 we think about it earlier, but like, um, he, he, it's the living water and it's, it, he gives, but we can read the same verse over and over. And you know, in different seasons, it has different implications because it's a living word. But what she was telling me, it was, it, it was revealing something to me, and the Holy Spirit says, press in on this, press in on this, because that means she doesn't understand the living word of the God and how, and how it ministers to us. Like I told her, I said, you know, the week my mom passed away, I was reading 1 Thessalonians 4, where it says, we will not all sleep, but we will be changed in the blink and the flash and the twinkling of an eye. I kept reading that the whole week, not knowing my mom was going to pass away on Saturday. And then the moment my mom passed away, that thing had a whole new meaning. It, like it had meaning before and I got it, but suddenly it went from encouraging to life-giving and, 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 and I was able to stand on it. It became a source and, and it's because I spent time in it. And, and, and I told her, I said, ma'am, I'm going to ask you a question. And here's the thing. I think you're missing a fundamental in your life. If, 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 you're, if you're so frustrated with the church because you're not getting anything out of it, I said, I got a question. I, I'm only asking you this because I love you. Do you regularly read the Bible? Because she instantly went to like, I've always found this so interesting. She's like, I need some pastors to go through Revelation. I'm like, why, do, is, there, why is Revelation the end all book for spiritual maturity? There's like hardly anything in there for maturity in walking with the Lord. Like everyone wants Revelation. Oh, I want to know what's going to happen. Jesus is going to come back and rule. That's what's going to happen. He's going to kick. Like, I just broke down Revelation for you. But you want to, you want to mature in Christ? Go read the book of James. That's the ultimate how-to book. But I asked her, I said, do you read the Bible regularly? She's like, well, uh, I, I, I'm, like, I said, because I said, I got, a, I got an experiment for you to do, but I, I dare you to only eat once a week. And she's like, well, I would die. I said, I know, but that's what you're, well, that's, you're dying spiritually right now. I literally was saying this to her. And then the Holy Spirit said, press her. She said, he said, this is not what's really happening in her life. I was like, oh, my goodness. And, and so this goes on to my, my next thought, though. We need fundamentals. I'm, I'm hitting her with fundamentals, but then, then, then we have this necessity of maturity. She was saying she needed someone to help her like that, that, that didn't go over the basics of salvation and all that. But here's the thing. If you don't go over the basics of why we believe what we believe, you will not mature in your growth. We always have to go back to Christ on the cross and his resurrection. That's the base for everything. And if you get sick of that, I would question whether you love Jesus. We can't get sick of the very foundation of which everything is built on. And so the Lord said, she's been hurt. I said, ma'am, I think the real issue here isn't the fact that you don't want to listen to pastors preach. 
It's that you've been hurt by too many pastors. And she said, oh, yes, I have. I said, don't judge Jesus and his bride by what a few have done. And I got to pray with her. It was so cool how the Lord worked in that. But Paul goes into the second section of scripture and he talks about, yet when I'm among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom. We need people around us that can speak into us that are mature, that can deal with the heavier and weightier things of life on the foundation of the cross and the resurrection and the word of God. If all you're surrounded by is new believers, you probably will never mature past new believers. You need Like, this is why I love our church, because we're cross-generational. Older people, according to to Alan, you're not old until you hit 90, so so I guess we have a bunch of young people that are on the higher end of the spectrum. The young people in our church need you. Young people myself included, we need older saints in our life. We need each other. Don't be like my son saying, I know, I know, I know, I know. And older saints, don't be patient. Just be patient with us. Because we probably will say, I know, I know, I know. We need each other. And the first necessity of fundamentals, it was a necessity for us to pour into people But in the second necessity of maturity, there's a necessity of us of receiving from people. He did speak with mature believers. We need to speak about mature things and, 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 and other things. We need to talk about the things that no one's talking about. We need to talk about sin. We need to talk about how to walk out our faith in Christ. We need to talk about sharing our faith. We need to talk about um, how to encourage one another in the Lord. We need to have, uh, have the ability to have honest dialogue with one another when we do mess up. Maybe we go out together and we share the, our, our faith. Maybe you come down with us on a first Friday and man, you're so cavalier and I love it and you're going for it and you just hit someone with the gospel's truth. We need to have such a relationship in the church that 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 whoever's with you, and even, even to me, someone with me saying, hey, Ryan, I, I, do, I don't know whether you should share the gospel like that. I even heard that last Sunday. And guess what? It was before service. And I went and rewrote my notes a little bit. Because I needed an older believer to speak into my life. To talk about mature things. We need maturity. We need to grow in our walk. We need to grow in our faith. We can't stay on the fundamentals. God never intended us to stay on the fundamentals. He wanted to give us a sure and good foundation of the gospel. That's a good foundation. It will not crack. It will not splinter. It will not fade. 
But then we need to grow. How do we grow? We grow by surrounding ourselves with other saints who have been there, who are mature themselves. And maturity isn't measured by age, though. It's measured by obedience to the Holy Spirit. That's why you can have a really young Christian that's really mature in their faith, and you can have a really older Christian that's really immature in their faith. If you're not obedient to the Holy Spirit, I don't want you speaking into my life. Because you're probably not operating in the wisdom of God because you don't have a fear of the Lord. When you have a fear of the Lord, you obey him. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. It's not I'm afraid of God. It's like I have such awe and reverence. He's creator and I'm not. And because he says it, I don't have an excuse. I don't have a rebuttal for his instruction. He said, do it, do it. He said, jump, jump. There was one time I was mopping the floor in Sedalia, Missouri at our church. And the Lord said, go sit in this second booth at McDonald's. And I thought, what? That went through my head. What in the world? I'm like, mopping the men's bathroom, go sit at McDonald's. I'm like, well, I'm practically there right now. Like, like, clean the, and I went and sat. And like, when I got there, there was a guy sitting there already. And the Lord told me to sit there. I'm like, I don't know what to do, God. He's already sitting there. He's like, he's the reason why I told you to sit there. So I sat down, and he looked up at me, and I looked at him. I was like, hey, <laughs> like, it was so awkward. I said, but I got to be honest. The Lord told me to come sit here. Is there anything I could talk to you about? Dude, man, his marriage is falling apart. I just got to encourage him, got to pray with him. I don't know what happened. I never saw, saw the guy again. Disobedience. It sounds crazy until it happens. Necessity of maturity. We can't mature if we already know. I know, like my son, I already know, Dad, I, I know. But as soon as he stopped telling me I know and he was able to listen, we can't listen if we know. One of the best things I've ever I'm learning, and I'm, I'm still learning, is to and listen. You know what? You might tell me something I technically already know, but you might say in a way I've never heard, and it might bring revelation. And like, oh my goodness, I've never even thought of that. That's happened a lot to me the last two months. And all it started with me going and stepping out of my comfort zone. And God's saying, just like I told my son, son, I want to help you. I want you to be a great basketball player. But I can't help you if you don't let me. And God's saying that today. I want you to be mature. But I can't mature you if you don't let me. So how do we let him? We listen and obey. There's a necessity for maturity and we need people in our life that can speak to us honestly and us not be offended. 
You know, there, there's, you might be offended at first, but get over it. That's what constructive criticism's for, is, okay, this is going to offend you, but it's to help you, okay? So I'm going to say it to you because I love you. And when you understand, if you have a relationship with that person, it allows you to receive it, even if it's offensive. If it hits you at first, you're like, I can't believe they said that to me. Well, if you have that attitude at first, just chew on it for a couple days and then let the Holy Spirit work it into you, okay? Because it is to help you. Now, there are other times that people just want to insult you. I get that. But if it's constructive criticism and it's from a believer that loves you, give them the benefit of the doubt. We don't do that anymore in our society. We need to have a relationship within the church that we can do that. That's what Paul's doing. You know, I had a conversation with a pastor friend of mine that he said something to me, and I, and, and I said, I don't think you know the definition of that because you're wrong. And he said, that hurt my feelings. <laughs> he said, that wasn't very life-giving. And I was like, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have said it that way. But you're still wrong. <laughs> and, you know, at, by the end of the conversation, we were like, wow, this, it was very life-giving. He's, a, he's a transitioning into a lead pastor role. And we were just talking. And, but that's, that's the thing. We have to be able to have those conversations. The necessity of maturity. That's where it comes from. Paul says, he says, when I'm with mature believers, I talk about mature things. Then the last thing is, and it's the most important. Just because it's last doesn't mean it's the most important, least important. This is probably the most important. The necessity of Holy Spirit. Paul says in um, verse 10, he says, but it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. If we're not, if we're not walking in intimacy with the Holy Spirit, we're going to have a hard time knowing the heart of God. How do we know the heart of God? For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except a person's own spirit. And no one can know the thoughts or the heart of God except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not this world spirit. So we can know the wonderful things God has really given to us. God wants you to know his heart. He wants you to know his mind. He, he wraps up that section with saying, we've been giving the mind of Christ. He's saying, we don't, we don't think like the world thinks anymore. There's a necessity. If you want to walk in the wisdom of God, there's a necessity in walking in the, in the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Part of maturity is walking with the Holy Spirit in our life. It's the most important part of maturity. There are things about God we will not understand apart from the Holy Spirit. There are scripture in the Bible you will wrestle with apart from the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit. It says, it's good that I go because I'm going to send an advocate. I'm going to send my spirit. And then he says, and the Holy Spirit will lead you to all truth 
He reveals the heart of God to us. He shows us where we need to go and what pleases God in our lives. And he also shows us what doesn't please God in our lives. That's called conviction. He can bring understanding to things that once baffled us. Quite frankly, this message today, I started reading it, and here, here's the kicker. I don't know if you guys ever wrote a message. I'm going to give you a little tidbit. But it's easier to do a series where you're not walking through a book of the Bible because then I can pick and choose kind of what section of scripture. We'll still walk through a section together, but I'll pick and choose what section I want to explain something that's easier for me to comprehend. But when we walk verse by verse through a book, it doesn't give me the luxury of taking and skipping something. And so as I'm reading this section of scripture, I'm getting ministered to through it but I'm having a hard time finding application out of it. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, God, I get how this applies to me, but I don't know how to phrase that to the church. So I wrestled with this a lot this week. And, and it's so interesting because you know when I finally, it clicked in my head? I stopped worrying, number one, and, and I, was praying, I was praying like, Lord, you know I got to preach. It comes once a week. And I want to take and minister and make it applicable to your church. And I'm, I'm putting all these things on me. And, and finally, I prayed this. Holy Spirit, bring understanding. Which is so silly. It's not silly. That's amazing. But that's what I do in my personal life. I'm going to give you a tool. I'm going to give you a tool that, that has helped me and served me so well in my walk with the Lord. And I pray that it does this for you. Someone told me this. And listen, um, I'm all for devotionals. I'm all for concordances. I'm all for word studies. I'm all for, um, I'm, <laughs> I'm all for, um, oh gosh, I was just went blank. Those things at the bottom of your Bible. Preferences and Commentaries, thank you. I'm all for those. Almost every one of my Bibles has a commentary. And but the tempting part is that sometimes we can read the Bible and then we go instantly down to the commentary to get understanding. And what we don't understand is that's a man's understanding about scripture. Now it might be revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, but there's only one perspective about that scripture. And so we're looking at this. That's why I love multiple commentaries. If you're going to look at commentaries, read multiple of them. And I'm not against them. But sometimes we downplay the role of the Holy Spirit in our walk and our maturity. And so um, we can't live for God apart from the Holy Spirit. We can't. It's the Holy Spirit that makes you a Christian. And so um, Paul... Paul um, Paul says that, that, that he lives within us in Romans 8, and then Peter says that everything that, that, that is required to walk a holy life has been given to us through Jesus. Well, what did he give us? The Holy Spirit. And, and so this is what 
I was told by a very wise, <laughs> older saint, he said, when you read the Bible, ask the Holy Spirit for understanding. The necessity of the Holy Spirit. And when I pray, when I listen to the Word of God, when I'm praying, I, I like personally, I always do this. Like, Lord, minister to me through your Word. Bring understanding through your Word. And there, there have been so many times that like I've heard something just I've been walking through the gospels on my personal in my personal life and I've heard something and and I've never heard before. I'm 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 on my eighth time going through the gospels this year. And this last time I heard something at the end of the gospel of Luke that I thought or the end of the gospel of Mark that I'm like I've never heard that before. How did I not hear that before? It, it was the fact that when Jesus cleared the temple it says that he went there the day before and he looked around and the next day he went back and cleared. I don't know the implications of that, but it's almost like he went and scoped out the who he was going to wreck the next day. Um, I just saw that. I thought that was interesting. It just popped out at me. There's another moment where, where the woman with the issue of blood that touched the hem of his garment. I've never heard this until last month when I was going through John. I never, or Mark, I never heard this. But it's in the next chapter, it says, everyone who touched Jesus' garments were healed. I've read that gospel so many times. I did a whole series on it. Never saw it. But there, that's the thing. When we ask the Holy Spirit to help us, give us understanding, give us clarity. And so when I was writing this message, I was like, Lord, I, I'm having a hard time. He said, divide it. I said, Lord, I need you to lead me. Lead me into this message. I, 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 don't, I, I don't have confidence in my ability, which is a good thing. He said, divide it. And I started looking at it. And, and, and then I just started seeing these things. And then, uh, and, but that didn't help me with my points. I was like, Lord, I need your help. Father, Holy Spirit, your word is applicable to every person. Well, there is something here, and I don't know what it is. And I, I, it's like on the tip of my tongue, and I don't know what it is. Holy Spirit, I need you right now. I need you right now. And, and I'm telling you, in less than five minutes, I wrote my points. After praying that, it was just like, it was like my mind went, like I put my contacts in or something. Like, I could see, I was like, oh, that's what that is. That's what that is. Oh, that makes sense. Because the Holy Spirit leads us to all truth. The necessity of the Holy Spirit is so important. And it's the most important thing to our walk with the Lord and walking in His wisdom. The Holy Spirit will lead you, He will guide you, He will help you, He will open your eyes and open your ears to the truth. Then, when you're used to walking with Him, He'll, he'll give you words of wisdom, He'll give you words of knowledge. Like that woman downtown, He said, She's hurt. 
like, oh, that's why she doesn't want to go to church. And that's why I told her. I said, ma'am, I think you're hurt. You've been hurt by a lot of pastors. That's why you don't want to go to church. She stopped and just stared at me like, how did you know that? She said, yes, they just use me. They look at me like, I'm like, well, I'm so sorry. I didn't know that. Didn't know her from Adam. Never met her before in my life, but the Holy Spirit knew her. Holy Spirit cared for her. He leads us. He's a necessity. And if you don't think he's ne- if you don't think he's necessary, then you don't read the Bible. He's not an accessory. He's a necessity. Today, I, I, I just, I want to I wanna wrap up. And I, I, I want to, I just want to pray for a moment. Some of us need to get back to the foundation of fundamentals in our in our life. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us get the gospel so simple that we can explain it to anyone. There's a poll that came out a few years ago that said like 90% of all statistics are made up on the spot, so just FYI. <laughs> but I'm going to get these statistics wrong. But this just came to my mind. It's around... of Christians can't explain how to get saved. In the United States, anyways. That's not a problem where there's persecution. Because we, we we get confused in our walk that going to church will help us get to heaven or having Christian friends or all that stuff. Yeah, those can complement, but there's only one way. It's Jesus Christ. It's the gospel, putting faith in him. And there's even more Christians that won't share their faith. And here's a hard truth. I love you guys, but Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me and my gospel, then I will be ashamed of you before the Father. So there's a lot of people who believe they're good with God because they said a prayer, but That's all they've ever done. They might be living a moral life, but they're not doing anything with the gospel. Jesus didn't die for you to get saved. He died for you to get saved to lead other people to Jesus. He died to give you a mission. There will be plenty of time for us chilling in eternity. But while we're on earth, we have a mission. This is the fundamentals, the gospel, Christ crucified. You don't have to sell pitch to anyone. They'll either accept it or they won't. It's a work of the Holy Spirit whether people accept their salvation. It's not a prayer prayed. It's none of that. Now, if they're ready for the gospel and they're ready to receive and you lead them in the sinner's prayer, it does its job. But how many people have just said it and went right back to their way of life? They're not saved. 
when you meet the God of the universe, you change. It changes the way you think. changes the way you vote. It changes the, the way you act. It changes the words you speak. It changes you. The gospel doesn't leave you the way you are. That's the reason why you need a savior. The gospel is not optional for the Christian either. It's a necessity. And it's a necessity for us to share it. How we share it, I don't care. Get the gospel out. Maturing in our walk with God is a necessity of growing we have to. If my son stayed five, he would literally have a genetic defect. He would be studied by doctors if he stayed this size for the rest of his life. People would be wondering, what's wrong with your son? He's not maturing the way he should. And yet, in our walk with God, we're okay with not maturing. We should be honest with each other and saying, hey, are you doing okay? Because I've noticed you've been stuck. How can I help you get unstuck out of the cycle? Because God doesn't want to keep you in the cycle. He came to break chains and break cycles in our life. But instead we just think, oh, this is how it is. Then we settle there is no settling with Jesus. You're moving towards him or you're moving away from him. And there's a necessity of obedience. And here's a cool thing. Here's a beautiful thing is when you, when you walk with the Holy Spirit, you will mature and you will share the gospel. It's just the reality of it. When you listen to the Holy Spirit, you're going to mature in your faith and you're going to share the gospel. He's going to grow you in your maturity. He's going to grow you in the fundamentals. When you walk with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, the Holy Spirit, it says, they who walk with the, with the Spirit will not in, in, indulge the flesh. It's like he leads you away from the very things that will stunt your growth. It's so cool. When you walk with the Holy Spirit, you'll mature, you'll share your faith, and he'll, he'll reinforce the fundamentals in your life. He'll lead you to all truth. So today, I, I, I just... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you guys to pray with me. Or I'm gonna, first and foremost, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. I want you to stop and pray. Ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, do I need someone in my life? To, do, I, do I need to mature by having mature people around me? Ask him, like, Lord, do I need, a re like, I need you to reinforce the fundamentals? We all need to. I don't care if you've been a Christian. That, that's a prayer I'm going to pray. Lord, reinforce the fundamentals in my life. Grow them. I need fundamentals. I played basketball for 15 years. Fundamentals, every practice. We need fundamentals. Pray that personally, and then we're going to pray together. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and I will tell you, when we do corporate prayer like this, here's the thing. It only, it only works if you mean it. Like, 
Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Then you will be saved. You like, don't, don't even pray it if you're going to go through the motions of praying it. Don't pray it because your neighbor's praying it. I'd rather you be honest with yourself and not pray it than pray it and then not mean it. So first and foremost, let's just take a moment. Let's ex- ask the Holy Spirit to examine us. Where do we need to work? Where, where, where do we need to surrender? What, 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 part, what necessity do we need in our life? Maybe you're good on all these. Well, praise the Lord. Just thank him for his goodness. And, and so let's just take a moment and, and pray. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if you mean it, please pray with me. (laughs) I need it. I know that. Father, I ask in Jesus' powerful name that you reinforce the fundamentals of the gospel in my heart. I ask Holy Spirit that you lead me in maturity. Send other believers to reinforce your truth in my life. And Father, I ask For power to obey, faith to step, and a heart that's willing. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. Let's go be world changers. I can't wait to hear the testimonies.
There's going to be testimonies as we just walk out when we walk with the Holy Spirit. There's going to be testimonies. I love it. I love it. And guys, I also want to um, say, if you're a first-time guest with us, we have a special gift for you. Just fill out the Connect card and give it to us. We'll be right out by the Connect table. I love you guys, and we will see you next week.